0: Welcome to the Law Enforcement Drone Association podcast, the premier podcast for meeting the people who are driving the industry, learning how to start and build a drone program for your police agency, getting updates on best practices and training standards, and hearing the latest news about current and upcoming technology. Welcome to LIDA podcast number one. I'm your host, Kyle Williams. I'm also currently serving as the vice president of LIDA. I am joined today by John Beal, the president of Lita. Today's episode, number one, is going to be all about LIDA. How we started, where we came from, what our goals are, and a few stories along the way. Thank you so much for joining me today, John.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, glad to, glad to be doing this. I'm excited. We're both obviously very passionate about LIDA and, uh, and what we're doing and where we see this going and how we can be helping other police departments to build programs and be successful. So I think what will be interesting to talk about today is how did we get to where we are at Lita. So do you want to start off by just kind of telling us about the early, early beginnings? And what will be interesting to hear is a little bit more about how you actually got connected with Josh, because we both came to him differently. And I had actually reached out to you separate of that. Right. Um. And so Kind of what your what your connection there was.
1: Yeah, so basically, to go back, I think it's three years now. Um, Lita started as a working group of police agencies in the Pacific Northwest, mainly in the area of like kind of the Portland metro area, Central Oregon, um, kind of the mid area of Oregon, and Southwest Washington, and. So it started, it kind of started as a working group with Josh Goldschmidt, who um, is one of our our founding member and was is retired and was the uh, the chief pilot of Portland Police's air support unit. And he was looking to get a group of folks together to uh, sit down in a room and talk about their programs uh, and talk about their desire to use drones in law enforcement and how they wanted to uh, to, to, create, I guess, a, I guess a training for lack of better terms. Like how do we, how do we create a, a drone program? How do we use drones? What do we do with them? And so it started, it started back, I think this is 2018, right? I think it was September 2018. It was our first meeting together I think so. where, uh, Josh used his prowess in the aviation community in law enforcement and started reaching out to agencies in the Metro area and beyond and saying, Hey, do you want to be a part of this safety stand down? And we're going to get together in a room. If we have the ability to fly drones that day, that'll be great. If not, we'll at least talk about our programs and figure out where we want to go as a region. And um, prior to that, uh, how you and I got connected, actually, I I think it was through Josh. I think Josh um, said, hey, I'm reaching out to Eugene. I've got uh, a connection down there who's looking to start their program. I'm going to kind of uh, give him your information i'll give you his information and then you i remember specifically you literally called me while we were in the middle of a, a narcotics investigation follow <laughs> following some dope suspects in north portland out there and you're like hey i want to get a program started And i'm doing i'm I'm following this i'm following in on the surveillance you know vehicle follow and trying to give you guys trying to give you uh some insight on where we're at where i was at and uh yeah that's kind of where it kicked off um between the two of us and then from there i think it was several maybe a month or two later is where it kind of rolled into this safety stand down where we i think we had like 20 maybe 20 people there from different agencies maybe it was like five or six or seven different agencies uh standing in there and And i thought
0: they're yeah probably six or seven agencies yeah and two to three from each i was thinking yeah, the lower end of that, more like eighteen people. Yeah. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot. But it but it was substantial. It was enough that it was enough that there was legitimately a group there and where there was, okay, we're all on the same page here. Because right. it was all people that were independently interested in trying to move forward with drones. Um, but nobody was really talking to each other yet. Right.
1: And motivated enough that Bend police came out, and that's a three and a half hour drive for them to come up to yeah. Vancouver, Washington and sit down with us for you know a day and uh so it was kind of interesting to see like hey we've got people coming from afar to come sit down and talk about drones and law enforcement and that's kind of where we got the the i guess the motivation to continue to meet and gather together and ask what do you guys want to do with this group do you want to sit down on a regular basis? do you want to sit down every six months? Do you want to sit down monthly? Do you want to talk you know every quarter? and that's where we kind of got the idea, hey, let's let's sit down every quarter, let's meet every quarter and talk about this going forward. and we'll try to bring some other groups into the fold. and I think that's where we started expanding and then from there we wound up doing some regional trainings in person, uh, practical and classroom trainings once every quarter. And started roping more and more people into it. And that's when it rolled into a conference in Bend in 2019 in October. And that was a great three days of training with 50 cops from all over the region. Um, It was really cool to kind of a trial run. Hey, what would this look like if we got together for a few days and just trained on drone stuff? We got some really good... Uh, Training in there. We got some good vendors. We had DJI come out and Romeo Dersher and come out and kind of give us a rundown presentation of what DJI is doing in public safety with drones. We had uh, Kenji Shugahara come out and talk about drones and film and and how they were using huge, massive six-rotor prop, uh, prop, six-prop drones to come out and fly for film industry and what that looked like.
0: Yeah, that giant, that giant one that he brought and pulled it out was like mind blowing to me at the time. Huge. Because 2019. We were. I mean, we were very, very, very early stages at my agency. Right. I mean, that was, was
1: when the 210 and the 200 series was out. And that was like the biggest thing ever. And we're like, oh, my gosh, look at this oh, thing. Yeah. This thing is awesome. And then he's bringing out this massive <laughs> six rotor drone that mounts, you know, giant. It was like a six payloads. foot
0: wingspan, not without the props. I it think was. just the arms. Yeah. I, seemed like. it all, I think all again.
1: of us, you can literally hear the. You can literally hear like the breath in the room when he when he <laughs> takes off his cover. It's like, <gasps> oh, yeah, you know. And we're 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 like totally nerding out on this thing. And the weird thing is about this, you know. Here I am, this very tall, like lanky dude, you know, athletic guy. I you know, I grew up being in sports. Grew up around um, Type A personalities. Being a cop. And I'm gawking at this six rotor drone here in front, you know, for all to see over here in this room and thinking this is the coolest thing ever. And that's, you know, that's kind of the cool thing about drones is it really, uh, it doesn't discriminate against your personality type. People just like them. It's, it's just a cool thing. Oh yeah. And it's just cool. Yeah. And so that's where,
0: if you've got an, if you've got an edge of nerd in Mm -hmm. you.
1: Absolutely. And so that's where, um, we sat down after this three days of training in Bend and said, I think that this working group has far far greater implications for the UAS vertical in public safety than just you know just doing a working group and just doing quarterly trainings and that's when we decided we have to go beyond this and you know try to create an association and try to say how do we standardize this training how do we standardize training in general in public safety or in law enforcement specifically and that's when we chose to say let's pursue creating an association a 501c3, that we can uh, create as a foundation and launch from in order to create a standardization of best practices and, and law enforcement for drone use, and, uh, and then a standardization of training. And from there, uh, we, we did that in January of 2020. Uh, then we had a massive blow when COVID hit, so everything got shut down in Oregon, which is a big bummer, so we weren't able to get together in, uh, in person and do training. So we tried to roll with it and went to the webinar uh, side of it and the virtual side of it, which I think was a good move. You know, we did the best we could. We rolled with a punch and rolled with the regulations that were being dealt with us out here in in the Pacific Northwest. And that got us some more buy-in from other agencies outside of just Pacific Northwest. Because it's hard to reach out to folks if your your base is only in-person training and your base is only agencies that you have a network with when you get into that social media aspect and that social media push and the virtual push, your reach expands and that's kind of how we were able to reach out to the, to the East coast and reach out to the Midwest.
0: Yeah. It was, a, it was a bummer to have to roll back from the in-person, but I do think there were some long-term implications to do on the online and, and getting a little bit of a different presence um, that made us turn outwards more. And I want to back up a little bit and reminisce or talk a little bit about some of those early quarterlies because um boy one of the most important parts at that time was literally the hours we spent just doing a round table like each time different agencies would show up with different levels of experience and we were all brand brand new to this um and yet each time different agencies would come up and they'd have different challenges. And and we spent a lot of time just talking around the room, just having a, a group conversation. Um, I remember at one point, because there were so many things that were new about it and the Oregon laws specifically that were a little bit challenging to work through, or just figuring out how we work with them. Uh, we initially made a put together a spreadsheet with who knows what about different things. It's like you had been doing it for drug investigations, using it for, for more investigative surveillance type work where we'd been using it more for crash reconstruction and Salem was having to deal with airspace issues. And so we actually put together a list of who do you call when we, when there was literally like 25 of us involved, who can you call when you have a a specific, um, problem to deal with. And now it's, we've gotten big enough and people have progressed, agencies have progressed enough generally that that that's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. Um, and it's more the association has taken that role of who do you call? We You call us and then we'll help get you squared away.
1: Yeah, I think um, even going back to the very first meeting that we had, we spent hours roundtabling talking about our agency and what our desires were, where, where we were at specifically, where we wanted to be. And just with the 18 to 20 people in that room, we spent two to three hours roundtabling talking about. Uh, what it, what this specific agency is doing with drones what does this agency need how do they train how many pilots do they have just a very baseline standard idea of where that agency is specifically with drones and that was a good launching point and we continued that practice in our quarterly training so when we had new agencies mm-hmm. come in hey where are you guys at what do you have as far as aircraft how many pilots do you have how often do you train what are your biggest hurdles what is uh, what is something you need uh, as far as training wise? Uh, what what is something you're having problems with? What is your best success? you know, kind of having a list of questions to talk about and then round that was a really good experience for us to have. And from there, the jump off point from there, like you, like you like you mentioned, where that kind of went that kind of went away to the point where now've we've, we've got agencies that are almost all on similar pages. And now they come to us if they have any questions. I think the biggest, the biggest benefit to what we're doing now is incident debriefs. I think seeing how agencies run their drone incidents and their deployments, and seeing that actually play out, and then talking that through—the good, the bad, and the ugly—is a really cool training aspect of what we're doing with Lita. So that way, you know, no one's on an island specifically. No, everyone kind of can see another agency operate and another agency succeed maybe even fail and then we all learn from both of those things i think is a really good aspect of what we're working with with our organization right now
0: yeah and then and then also providing ideas for and we we always call them scenarios in the police world scenario training and i really have dialed that back because scenario in my mind i think of something more elaborate with role players and scripts and um and really a bigger deal, but really more practical exercises. And that's kind of been my personal little champion as as our as a group, as we design training, um, thinking about them more as exercises that dial in particular skills and breaking down the skills. Um, and I, Josh put it in really good words um, at our last quarterly where um, there's so many piloting skills that lots of people can be a pilot. You have to be a good enough of a pilot that you don't have to think about being a pilot anymore and you can go back to being a cop. And that's and that's the hurdle for people to go from being having a program and having a drone up in the air and doing things, but also actually starting to have success is one that pilot then gets from the point to where they're not having to think about right thumb forward. okay, go forward. okay, left thumb up. I need to go up. And how do I navigate the software that I'm using how do I get in? I've got a little error or whatever. I need to get into the software and make a change. And where your all your brain power is going into that? How do you how do you process that? And how do you fly? Get your drone in position and can also then have enough capability or capacity left to be able to be listening to your radio, responding to the radio, communicating. Um, and it's and it's definitely a a trend that I've seen from my own team also to our our leader trainings, and you can see who the people that have the more proficient flight skills and know the systems are also then just more engaged and active in the exercise itself. Um, And so that's interesting to see and helping agencies come up with those exercises and so that they can continue to train on their own. Uh, They're not dependent on us, but we're adding that boost to help them continue on their daily.
1: Yeah. Josh made a really good chart in our, I think it was our quarter one training. I think it was a quarter one training of 2021 where we talked about aerial search procedures, uh, explaining the experience versus effort chart Mm -hmm. and the amount of effort you have to put in to gain the experience. But once you gain that experience, your effort, the amount of effort you put into your operation decreases exponentially. So the more experience you have, the less amount of effort you need to put into it. And I think that's where we wanna be in the standardization training is that we regularly train on on a regular basis and we train well, like in the scenarios, in classroom, in theory, in, in, uh, in legal aspects of it, then the the amount of effort that we're going to need to put into it or have to put into it is going to diminish greatly. And it's going to make our experience a lot easier. It's going to make our experience, it's going to make our our workflow a lot better. And I think that's what we're kind of shooting for with Lita, is that we can, we can help you guys with the developing experience. Um, so that way in the long run, your effort is just gonna your efforts gonna just dwindle down and down and down? and You'll be able to to produce great results with minimal effort.
0: Yeah, and from from beginning to end, just because your program is fairly advanced doesn't mean there isn't a role that we can play to help bring you to the next level. We we absolutely will. Um, but also, don't be nervous to dive on in with us um, or show up to a training, even if you don't have any drones and. I mean, it was not that long ago that most of us were in that position. You were, you had an Inspire, which I thought was spectacular. I mean, that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it was cool. Um, Bend had just gotten four Mavic Pros, mm-hmm. yep, the original Mavic Pro. Right. Um, and I walked away from Ben, took a day trip over there, and walked away just kind of eyes wide open, mm-hmm. blown away at how cool it was. Right. Um, but for the most part, most people didn't have much of anything, and no. that was two years ago.
1: Yeah. I mean it just it's amazing how far we've come <laughs> in just a couple of years where now really the standard is going to be having you know I know that most of the folks out there are using DJI products cuz they're really easy to use off the shelf and it's like you know in a way and hopefully this is not the case forever but it's like Apple for drones you know it's so user friendly uh, relatively cost effective and I think in the right right now as a standard these agencies are are using Matrice Mavic uh on the road and they're using Phantom's crash reconstruction, you know, and it's a good system. It's it's a, it's a pretty darn good system. And I I love the free market system. I love the ability for other manufacturers to come in and be able to challenge that cuz then it's only going to produce a better product. But from 2 years ago, like when I'm flying, you know, we, we, we bought our first Inspire 1 Pro back in 2016, and that was just the coolest thing ever with uh, you know, an X5 camera and an xt thermal and you know the, the the biggest hurdle was that you had to swap your payload out in order to view thermal or visible camera we did have a, a front third-party mounted fpv camera but it was really crappy and um and now you look back on that drone we still have it luckily we're it you know back in the day it was 20 grand worth of equipment right there and, and thankfully we, we spent that much and started our replacement fund and now we've this year we're actually going to replace it with new technology but that technology now is is just not functional anymore. Uh, we had a dual operator system which is kind of what we kind of what we kind of maintain now with our matrice 300 and the the transmission signal on it is horrible uh, the, you know the, the signal the feed comes in and out it cuts in and out it's just like it's constantly refreshing the, the screen and it's it's awful. But it's a really great drone to train on. I'm not worried about that drone getting damaged. It's not worth a ton of money. And we call that our T-38 trainer. You know, it's like, you know, when you you're, they're not gonna put you in on the best, you know, on the best platform out there when you're training to fly fighter jets. You know, we're, we're gonna do the same thing with our drone program out here. We're gonna give you an old technology, but it's a stable technology as far as flight controls go. And you can learn how to operate a drone in the air and be proficient at it with your skills and then from there you move on and you you get better and better with your skills and we move on to kind of signing you off on a on a better platform
0: yeah absolutely and uh so yeah i know i've talked to one agency that's been talking about coming to the conference in october and they've been pretty nervous because they're super early um their program is tiny they don't have much experience um and they were a little bit apprehensive early on about being too far behind and and I just want to make sure that the message gets out there that, one, we're not that far ahead of anybody, uh, <laughs> even though we are. It's just like so much has happened in such a short period of time. It's, it's weird to look back. But so much of what we're about is also to help people get started, help people get started the right way. Right. Um, try to avoid the problems and the, and the issues that we had. Um, and so helping build programs is a huge part of what LIDA, what LIDA is all about at this point also.
1: Yeah, I think that this the learning curve has shallowed out quite a bit because we've paved a lot of the way for these other agencies to come on board with the same type of a program. I think the biggest obstacle is uh, personnel and finances. And so yeah. the the curriculum and the program building documentation is there. And so that part of it is a shallow learning curve. It's not steep anymore. It used to be steep. You was yeah. like, man, I am I am chopping down this pathway, you know, learning to trailblaze, and we're not having to trailblaze as much anymore. There's certain things, obviously, that are, st- I mean, the technology is still emerging, obviously, and developing. And I think in five, 10 years from now, we're gonna be blown away at how antiquated we are now. Um, and I think that's just the nature of the beast. but as far as getting your program up and running, we're in a fantastic place to be able to help these agencies get off the ground and get off the ground well, like you mentioned, and do it in a way that's going to be not only effective and productive, but safe. And I think it's going to be transparent. And I think it's going to be in a place where all of the operators on the team are going to be comfortable with the development. The agency is going to be comfortable with the program because of the standardization of training that we have in place and also the technology that's available to them uh, to be able to fly these drones. It it really, it's not rocket science, it's not not a, a huge task to be able to fly them. I think what we really focus on in LIDA is being able to hone an operator's skill, so like we mentioned before, you are able to do a lot more with a lot less effort. And that's what we're working on. So the drone flies itself, basically. You can put the drone up, you know, know, hopefully most of you guys are mode two flyers. You're gonna go uh, fly in mode two, not like our mode three flyers, which we have a different name for on my team. But uh, you're gonna fly, get the drone up in the air, GPS and altitude hold are in place and effective. And essentially you're gonna be operating a camera in there. And so how do we make that look the best uh, and how we make it most effective and accomplish the mission that we want to accomplish? I think that's what we're looking to do.
0: For sure. I know early on those first year and a half while I was um, campaigning to get my program adopted by the city, uh, our police commission who also reviewed our policy, Eugene is known for being a little, a little on the more liberal side mm-hmm. in general. We were not far out of the time. And I, I think things have shifted now from drones being a bad word. Um, the D word, yeah. The D word. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it evoked a negative image that people didn't like. Um, but I'll tell you, having the backing of being a part of that work group at the time right. and sitting in a, in a meeting and saying, hey, we're, we're not just doing this rogue and the practices and policies that we're putting in place aren't just my agency or me making it up right. as i go it yeah. was huge people's eyes would widen when i'd be like yeah there's like we just had a quarterly training and there were 45 cops from right 12 different agencies right. that all showed up and we all shared experiences and we and right. we did practical training and um it it built a lot of cloud. It, it definitely was one of those things where as we were talking about becoming an association and and um becoming more official that I liked the idea of being able to actually give that kind of presence and assistance to other people that were trying to start, um, and uh, and just legitimize what they're doing, and and it gives um, confidence to management right. um, that that you're going to be doing it the right way, that um, that you're not just winging it, figuring it out. I think that
1: I think that we were our own. I say we, as in our command staff were our own worst enemies and are the most resistance that we presented. I think that a lot of our agencies were very scared about public perception. And I think generally the public, the, the, the majority of the public was supportive of the technology. They were kind of blown away by the technology in awe that we were able mm-hmm. to be able to have this type of technology out there. But I think a very vocal minority kind of ruled the news uh, and tech, and, and sometimes maybe the airwaves on social media or whatever, where if there was anything related to the D word, then that you know, then they had to go to the ACLU and ask the ACLU about what they thought about. It and was it this it, it this stupid kind of uh, echo chamber inside this cycle that was not really relevant to what we're doing. And I think in general, once this work group was underway and we were able to show, like you said, hey, there's a lot of other agencies doing the same thing that we're doing. They've got these aircrafts. They've had no blowback, no pushback. My specific agency, we've got well over 150 deployments in the last year and a half. We've had zero complaints whatsoever. We've had no negative incidents or negative contacts with the public related to our drone use and in fact all of the interactions that we've had with our public and our citizenry in the city of gresham have been phenomenal and they've been blown away but man you guys you guys can do this you guys can how high can this fly out you know they ask you all the general drone questions how long can it fly how much oh, is it yeah. you know all these different things like can that fly like a thousand feet can you can you fly like 10 miles away and they ask you all the regular drone questions but they're all really generally blown away by it and they love it So I think it's kind of a cool community relations tool in a way where you're able to go out and show the equipment that you now have and the community is able to see that and build a relationship with them and you can talk about some really cool tech and no negative impact whatsoever. So I'm excited to, to continually see what's coming in the public safety law enforcement side, because law enforcement, I think, really takes the brunt of the negative uh, the negative connotation of drone use. Oh, um, for sure. Nobody's worried about firefighters using drones. Nobody's worried about EMS using drones. It's, it's really just the search, whole...
0: Search and rescue.
1: Correct, yeah. Nobody's worried about that. Yeah,
0: it's, it's police.
1: It is police. Um, and I think that what we bring to the table in the Law Enforcement Drone Association is amount of clout and amount of group... Uh, participation to show your agencies and your communities that you take part in this these wider array of training uh, a standardization of training that shows that hey we're not just out there we're not just cops flying toys we're not out there you know flying NSA spy satellites um, we're out there trying to we're out there trying to, to better our effectiveness as a police agency out there, especially when you aren't able to buy a helicopter and maintain it, or you're not able to buy a fixed wing plane and maintain it uh, and train pilots, manned pilots or, you know, rotor certified pilots. And you can come out here and you can spend $50,000, you know, potentially and train up a team of pilots and train them relatively well and they can accomplish a similar task not the same task because there i think there are two uses for them i think it's oh, yeah. absolutely useful for manned aviation there's
0: a lot of crossover but there's also there's also a, a perspective that manned aviation gives you that is um you're just not going to get it with a with a
1: drone absolutely and i think that we want to stress that to our folks um and even folks that may be concerned about what we're trying to push With UAS and law enforcement is that we're not trying to replace manned aviation because there's absolutely a role for it We're we're, we are a tool and drones are a tool in law enforcement To be able to accomplish a task that we can all accomplish as a team And there is absolutely a role for manned aviation and UAS even in the same instance to be able to perform But we're, we're limited in what we can do especially with distance, you know So if we're gonna get those vehicle follows, we're not gonna be effective in that if we're gonna get you know these uh, foot pursuits that are going for blocks and blocks. We may not be able to cover that whole thing we may not be able to cover a, a giant perimeter or a big search and rescue area, but we can do the best we can. We can cover, uh, we can, we can accomplish a task and be a, a, a useful tool in that.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's a discussion for another, another podcast episode and talking about, um, managing department expectations, um, Based on the training and experience and equipment that that your individual agency has, and right. I think that's a discussion to be had because it is it is one of the things that can be a little bit challenging. And like right. my my agency, we we had basic um, equipment for like people searches, right. and so we did a training scenario where. Um, We were looking for people in the woods and the, and the equipment that we had at the time just wasn't, it just wasn't set up for that. There wasn't any good way that we were going to accomplish that. And I think there was a little bit of disappointment because they thought that that wham, bam, we'd
1: absolutely, we'd be able
0: to boom, we'd find them and that would be that. And yet we were really limited by the equipment that we had. And so there were, there were some lessons learned there about making sure that, um, that the messaging internally is, is, and that plays into the
1: psychology of your air crew too, because you're going out there and they are they're like a, a dog looking for that bone and they want to find that bone. And they sometimes are under the impression too, that they're every time because we have this technology that we're going to be able to find that person. And I think that that's should be implemented in our training programs is, Hey, like even sometimes our, even canines, they don't have this massive success rate in locating people oh, yeah. on a track. You know, they may be 20%. They may be 15%, 25%, somewhere in that range. Um, and but they're still an effective tool yeah And i think that we need to we need to establish an expectation to say hey we're not going to find them every time it, when we do obviously it's a win we're going to try to train to be able to find them as much as we possibly can sometimes we may set up our perimeters and the guy not may not be in the perimeter at all you know we're, but we're going to have to set our expectations to a place that's realistic and say what what is a realistic expectation for drone use i think yeah. you're absolutely right
0: yeah We've had probably, I think, right around 130 deployments this year so far, and if I had to just throw a wild guess out there, I bet we've added materially beneficial value. Not necessarily; we didn't necessarily find the guy, right? But materially beneficial value, tangible value, in probably 20 to 25 of those deployments, right, would be would be my guess. And yeah. the other 75% were suspect, not found. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and our crash reconstruction alone has opened streets up, you know, in countless hours faster than running a pharaoh, yeah. you know, or running some sort of LIDAR machine. And so that alone is a massive improvement for what we were yeah. doing in the past where we had streets shut down for six to eight hours to run 12 or 15 scans on a Faro machine. We're running the scan now in an hour. And and in getting it from all different kinds of angles with you know much better uh, resolution on the photo and the three D modeling. Not to say that there isn't a use for Faro because there absolutely still is. There's still a use for lidar. Again, it just goes back to that tool argument and say this is a tool in our shed of tools. Yeah. Um, it's very effective at doing some of these things.
0: Well, and we do both. We use both. Yep. We we use both to maximize one the level of detail that mm-hmm. our reconstruction team wants and two expediting the speed of getting the scene dealt with and then three, creating the prettiest picture we can so right. that when it goes to court and a jury sees it that, that they can relate to it. Yeah, super was bang. Um, Total Ooh. total station <laughs> charts or graphs or like a normal person can't look at that and be like, Oh, I see what happened there. Right, exactly. But you get a you get a pharaoh mixed drone three D scan fly right. through and it's like you're immersed in the middle of it. But we digress. That's a that's a certainly a we can talk all day about all things. So let's get back a little bit to back on track, just talking about the history of Lita. So we, so we've beat the early days to death. Mm -hmm. Um, then we get to, we do pull off this, what wound up being a pretty remarkable conference. Right. Um, given the fact that we were all shoestring, there was zero budget. It was free. Um, you know, it's just get
1: there. Yeah. It was was just getting, just get there. Have your agencies pay for travel. People showed up and
0: three days worth of stuff all just sort of well, it didn't just sort of happen. It was a lot of work. Right. Um, but at the same time, it just sort of happened, it did. which was which was pretty remarkable. Right. Um, and then, yeah, we at, we went out to that Mexican restaurant place mm-hmm. afterwards. And then everybody I think that was certainly the point where we we're all like, OK, this is there's a significant potential here. Right. Um, and we had a big roundtable discussion about do we do public safety or do we do police specific? And um, my initial impression was just like just the the police side is going to be huge. Right. Not every not every department has a crisis negotiations team or a bomb team or a tactical team, and yet mm. the associations related to those fields are, are massive. Right. Every department has the ability and should have a drone team, whether it's super basic with one drone and one pilot, um, but really your three-person department, very small place, can easily have a, a fairly basic drone and significantly enhance their safety for themselves. Yep. Um And the speed at which they can do their jobs um and so the potential to me just seemed astronomical, just being police specific and then really allowed us to hone what we're doing to our craft and not trying to then pull in then we need fire people and search and rescue people to be coordinating training stuff and and building out those verticals also where I feel like we've got a, a pretty monumental task ahead of us as it is just with the police side, and so I think. In fewer words, I think the the discussion definitely went that way that we that we leaned towards. Who came up with the lead-in name? Was that you? That was me. Yeah, I was kind of thinking you. You came up with three or four mm-hmm. different names for it over the course of the, the <laughs> two years of quarterly work groups. N R U W, yeah. yeah,
1: national or as the it was the uh, northwest N W R U
0: Northwest Regional, northwest Regional Unmanned Working Aircraft Group. Systems Working Group. Yeah,
1: it was a lot. It was like I think the first conference to do was N R U W. A conference or whatever Northwest regional regional work group U.S. working group, and then uh, and then we went. I think we went to some sort of association type speak. I don't even remember the names, but for us, it was when I was thinking about an association name. I didn't want to pigeonhole us to a specific region of the U.S. or you know specifically pigeonhole us to a specific location. I know that what we want to offer and what our our goals and mission are within the association are broader. So i thought of the name listen why don't we just make it very generic a law enforcement drone association similar to i mean i coming up as a dope cop in oregon there was the oregon you uh, the onea the oregon narcotics officers association and so i was like well i don't want to be the oregon drone you know law enforcement drone association olita oh, i think it was one of the ones that we had thought of before let's just be Leda, you know let's be law enforcement drone association let's not be discriminatory towards other areas of the of the country and let's look at more broad aspects of how we can try to standardize training, and that's kind of what I thought of at the time. I looked at, it, hey, there's no other association doing the same thing. It kind of or-
0: boggled my mind at the time because <laughs> yeah. drone stuff. By the time we were associating, mm-hmm. it was it was rolling into being mainstream. Yeah. And and when you said, well, there's no nobody's taken the name Lita yet. Nope. It was like really, and even to this day, still there isn't there isn't a there isn't anybody else that's doing what we're doing with no. law enforcement drones. Correct, specifically as a whole. Right. Um. There's a lot of public safety, general yes. public safety, which is fire, search and rescue. Right. Um.
1: And I think that's where we found our niche. Like I think, yeah. and I like, I like this niche. I, you know, we're both cops. We love police work. We love the law enforcement community, and I think we want to see the law enforcement community be successful in the deployment of UAS. And so, that was kind of a. A, a solid foundation for us to stand on a solid base for us to stand on and say, we need to focus intently on law enforcement because we can get really deep into the weeds on public safety and then bring all these people in and have, all, you know, a very broad spectrum. But, you know, then you become the Jack of all trades, master of none. And yeah. we really want to master the standardization of best practices within law enforcement drones. Yeah.
0: So we got a name we became an association. We sat around a room at a quarterly conference and mm-hmm. said who wants, <laughs> we need a president and a vice president and a treasurer and a secretary. Mm-hmm. John obviously had, had risen into being a, a leader in the work group. And so it was a very natural. Well, John's the president clearly. <laughs> and you know, what's funny is that first meeting you're just, you're soft spoken. Right. And, uh, and you're super friendly, but I, I didn't, I wouldn't have pictured it Yeah. based on that first, that first meeting. Um, And you were definitely into it, but I didn't quite see the passion burning yet at that early stage. You were, you were into it just like we were, but you, you definitely have a higher level of passion for it than, um, than lots of people, probably more than I do. (laughs) Uh, and yet I, I, that's a tall, that's a tall order to fill based on if you asked anybody that knows me, since all I talk (laughs) about is drone stuff.
1: I know. I think like, you know, my wife would definitely say that (laughs) I, I nerd out too much on it. I, Mine too. I think that, you know, I, like I said before, you know, I was not a drone guy. I didn't really know much about drones until we wound up looking into purchasing it for our dope team back in the day. And ever since then, I realized the implications of what we can use this for in law enforcement. That this is just, this is massive. We need to, to get on this. And I think that fire started burning inside of me. And I love the idea of doing a working group. Josh is a great connector of people and bringing us all together. He's a he's really a master of his craft and his knowledge. And I just really tried to glean off of that as much as I possibly could and, and kind of sit underneath his aviation wing as we were as we were establishing our working group. And it just seemed like a natural progression of being in you know part of the steering committee when we were just a working group into migrating into an association and saying, you know what, I really have a vision for what we're doing. Uh, I really have an understanding of where we want to be and I think I know how to get us there. Uh, and we still have a lot of work to do. You know, we're we're still relatively in our infancy, but I have I have really I have really great goals. Uh, I'm excited to see these goals start to kind of manifest. And yeah. I want to uh, I want to continue to work at it. So I, I enjoy doing this work. You know, I I tell people I spend half my time working on lead-up projects and half my time being a cop and running you know the my, my patrol shift and and running my UAS team. But uh, all of it to me is is a joy to do, and I really find a lot of meaning in uh, in in what we're doing as an association. I, I absolutely love doing it. I love the teaching aspect. I've always yeah. kind of loved that instructional side of things.
0: Yeah. So we've got conference 2021 coming up. Right. And that's shaping up to be, it's looking really good. And we just spent some time going over the, the um, agenda. Uh, there's going to be a lot of hands-on opportunity for folks that have equipment. There's going to be a lot of hands-on opportunity for folks that don't have equipment. So they right. certainly should not be afraid to, um, to show up without a drone. There are right. gonna be a number of stations where there, there will be loaner donors that can be test flown. Right. Um, the classroom portions are all well-established, good instructors that have good agendas and material that are, that are just gonna be super useful. Yes. Um phenomenal networking. We've got some great after hours activities planned that uh hopefully we'll start getting all that filtered onto the website if it hasn't been yet. Right. Um and pushed out to start getting people excited about it. We're we're less than two months away now.
1: Yeah, we're 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 less than sixty days out. We're coming up on six weeks, and yeah. we've got like like you said, we've got a really great agenda in place. We've got great vendors that are gonna be there that are excited to be there, that are excited to show everyone the attendees their their upcoming technology what they're coming out with their products and sponsoring lunches and talking about uh, the future of of UAS and law enforcement and not only that but like you said we've got some extracurricular activities that we're planning outside of just the conference training which I mean I don't want to say that it's going to be like you know, like a, a camp, like a fun camp where you just go out and have <laughs> a great it's, it's time.
0: But gonna, it's going to be camp.
1: But it's going to be camp. It's going to be like the, you know, you're going to get like mountain fever or you go up there and you have like the best of time and you get sad when you have to go back home because yeah. you're not at the conference anymore. Well, in,
0: in so much of conferences, I've been a part of a couple of other associations in my career, and there's really valuable connections that are made at conferences. And the extracurricular time is really the phenomenal time to really actually make friends right. in other places, whether right. it's the, the, the manufacturers and the distributors to right. other cops in the area or out of your area, right. but people you can lean on, connections that, that then create more opportunity and education for you. Um, and I and I really like the direction we're going with a really good um, base of activities to help tie everybody together and and foster that, that networking. I also think it's important for people to know that, um, the vendors that are here this year were all specifically handpicked by us. Right. We didn't put out a general drag and whoever decided to show up. Um, we sat down and talked about who were the, who, what are the companies that we're excited about that right. we want to see their products <laughs> right. very selfishly. Exactly. Who, do, who do we want to have four days of hands on nitty gritty with? Who do and, we want to
1: establish a great relationship yep. with, uh, as an association? Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: And those, and those are the vendors that are here. Right. Um, there there are no randoms that just came to us and said we'd like to be there yes. um we we sought out and invited these vendors to be here and manufacturers because because they're they're products that we believe in that we are excited about right um and and, and that, that we and, believe that you and,
1: that you as the attendees are going to benefit the most yeah, from that, being with you yeah
0: know? because because they think we think they're going to benefit us and if mm-hmm. they're going to benefit us then they absolutely will benefit all of you and so absolutely yeah, I think the um, biggest
1: thing that we want to stress with the conference is that whatever stage you're at in your program and wherever you are in the country, we are striving to provide a platform for you to grow. So whether that be you don't have a drone program set up, you're just interested in it and you're able to afford our very inexpensively put on conference here for what it is, you know, for 200 bucks, you can come out for four days and and spend 4 days in classroom time flying drones and you know deal with vendors the entire time and have a great time in and networking and establish relationships that you didn't have before and then you can also learn to fly some drones you can learn you know you can develop your skills you can and then you can even hone those skills in you can maybe even develop new skills and take that turning back to your agency i think that's the the biggest thing that we want to stress it doesn't matter where you are in your program don't be uh, don't don't be concerned or afraid to come out here and participate. Uh, cause that's, that's where you're going to learn. That's where you're going to, that's where you're going to find the most amount of growth.
0: And all of our exercises, the practical exercises are going to be things that you can take back and, and easily recreate to continue right. to train yourself. Right. Um, nothing about this is get, is, um, where you get a once a year shot at being able to come out and do this. Right. You get once a year at being able to have a whole bunch of feedback and advice and, and somebody that's been doing it to be able to help watch you and, and, and right. give you tips and tricks and stuff. Um, but you can take what you learn and and take it back and recreate these scenarios and, and make yourself even better at it.
1: Absolutely, and I think that one of the things that is very important to know, and, and, and everybody that's listening would know the same thing, that when you go to these types of trainings and events, you make lasting relationships with with people when you go as a working group we i've made relationships within the association when we were in a working group now that i've got connections all over the state of oregon all over the state of washington you know in in these different areas and regions now and now i've got connections because of lita we've got you know well over 200 agencies involved in the entire nation i can go i've got a person in almost every state uh, that I can go to and say, hey, you need something in this state, go to this person over here. And I think that's what these conferences allow is you to put a face to a name, you to have face time with folks that are doing the same exact thing that you want to do. And if you need a contact or help, you know, we can establish that and we can help you guy. we can help you build that in your agency or for your own personal reasons. Say, hey, I need, I need a contact. If I'm in if I'm in New Jersey and I need somebody who is also in New Jersey doing the same thing, we can connect these two agencies together, even though they don't talk to each other. Absolutely. So I think that's what what these conferences can do for us, what our association can do for you as well.
0: Well, And, and helping other agencies in different states, setting up their own regional trainings, starting to help connect them so that they can, they can then recreate what we had in that early day here with our support to help take away a bunch of the mystery of it right so the key takeaways from there i think are are continue to follow the website things are growing and and expanding pretty massively right uh the paid membership side is going to be is clicked on and will be going fully enforced here soon uh and there's significantly more training content that's going to be coming up on on board up there again podcasts will be coming out um, as we continue to go through and and meet with each of the board members, obviously John, we never got to talk about you, so we'll be we'll be meeting to talk about you another time. Sounds but good. but I think I like that we we're able to just kind of establish that history of what Lita is, so people know who we are and where we came from. That we're right. not we're not some stuffy bunch of suits that are just looking to make money. We're we're working cops that are doing this out of a passion for helping others and and helping others grow their agencies or grow yeah. their programs and and help adopt just because we see such a huge benefit to it. So
1: Right. Hopefully we've made your commute just a little bit better by listening.
0: Absolutely. Well, there's that too. Hopefully you weren't too bored. So with that, I think we'll end here. And uh, and keep an eye on the Lita, Lita website and come to
1: the conference. Come to the conference and reach out if you have any questions, info at com and, and send us an
0: email. com. Right. And we will answer those, and uh, and hopefully we'll we'll see it one of our trainings here soon. Thank you all. Have a great time. Thanks for joining us, and look forward to the next one.